Let me bring in John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association, because I want to talk to John about a story that, boy, oh boy, did it get reaction. It has to do with a high-ranking officer caught and pleading guilty to the fact that she helped some other employees, police officers, go through the testing process to get better jobs. And uh, now we get into the phase where we, you know, are we going to give her her job back? Does she get lowered, demoted, and I got so much feedback on that particular story, not just from you listening, but from a lot of police officers and retired officers. So John Reed joining us, president of the Toronto Police Association. Good to have you, John. Yeah, good morning, Alex. Thanks for having me today. This case, like, I mean, I saw it in my head, did a double take. This is one of those cases that got real reaction uh, because it's unbelievable. I mean, high-ranking officer, first, you know, in her, um, you know, class, high-ranking representing Toronto police as high-ranking black officer, and then she is caught and admits to trying to help younger mentorees that she was, um, you know, helping get tests done and get better results to testing. And so she's pleaded guilty. The question and, and what people want to know is, why, sh- why would a police officer keep their job if they've been found to break the rules? Well, I think the reality here is, uh, you know, this she's pled guilty now. Uh, we're going to move on now to the penalty phase, um, which will be sometime in the future. I'm not sure when it's going to be. Um, and I think what the adjudicators have to look at with situations like this is, um, you know, what is a reasonable um, penalty for this? Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, you have the adjudicator to decide what it is. Uh, I can tell you that our members are watching very closely uh, just to, uh, you know, they want to see the tribunal itself is fair and impartial and the senior officers are treated um you know as our members are uh, throughout the tribunal and that's one of the important things here so you got a lot of you got a lot of feedback too and, and let me let me tell you some of the feedback i got and and most of it was you know from other from either former officers or officers in other detaches saying of course she'll keep her job it'll go away in the media but the, you know she'll get the job back or or a job like it which only leads to a lot of cynicism and, and distrust well, it does, and that is the problem sometimes with the system itself. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, we have to look at each uh, situation um, separately. Um, you know, this to me is rather what's very serious, quite honestly. Uh, somebody of that rank uh, in that kind of a situation. Um, you know, Toronto Police Service traditionally has said that the higher the penalty, the higher the rank. Um, you know, and and that's one of the things you look at. Um, you know, if an officer has more, far, far more responsibility as they get higher in the ranks. Do you, does the union represent the higher-ranked officers, the management officers, or, or just the, the, the rank and file? No, we're just rank and file. So we are from uh, constable sergeants and staff sergeants and our civilian personnel. Uh, the senior officers actually have their own association. And so would Stacey Clark, because she was a superintendent, correct? That's correct, yes. Yeah. So she's not part of our association at all. She's part of uh, the services uh, senior officers association. Okay. And so is it fair to say that your position would be, no, you don't get your job back? Or, or is that what you're hearing? Because for, for I think, the, the, the public at large, they say, well, if you, if you can't do your job, and I think, you know, police officers are, are in a different category. If, if you don't have the integrity, which is part of the job of having the integrity, and if you, you've been caught breaking the rules, how could you possibly ever have um, the public trust? Not to mention, it just gets all the police officers kind of smeared with the same, well, they're all like that. Well, it, it does. It ends up um, kind of casting a dark shadow over policing itself. Um, and, and just for clarification, she has not lost her job at this point. She's still employed by the police service. And getting paid, uh, I would assume. 
that decision is going to be made by the adjudicator as far as what kind of penalties uh, meted out in this situation. How long is that going to take? Do you know? Uh, no, I'm not sure when the next date's going to be. Uh, it could be um, weeks, months. Um, hopefully uh, a resolution comes soon. Because uh, I think these things are much better off dealt with sooner uh, than later. Well, yeah. I mean, if someone is being paid by the public um, and they have been found violating and, and breaching rules and they've admitted it, yeah, no, you shouldn't be getting paid. But again, so so would you then say she can't be a police officer or lower ranked? Where's your position on this? And, and what part in this next phase do you do you have? So I, I don't feel it's really appropriate for me to comment on what her um, uh, penalty should be. That's right. going to be for the adjudicator. Okay. Uh, but has to be proportionate to her rank and proportionate to the offense. Uh, and, and my hope is the adjudicator will come to a, a reasonable uh, sentence um, that's, that's going to be fair, um, you know, for our members to look at and have some kind of faith in the system. Because the reality is, if it's not fair, it's not a balanced uh, sentence, then our members continue to look at it um, as an unfair process, unfair tribunal. And we end up, our, our members, uh, you know, they're treated differently. and They're not treated uh, the same as senior officers. And this has always been a, a complaint for, for years now, um, is that the feeling of the rank and file is that uh, our members aren't treated uh, the same as senior officers. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll stay tuned on that one. Uh, the other one I wanted to ask you about, because again, it's just, it plays to it's the example that we talk about with bail, you know, catch and release, catch and release, and, and the scourge of this, and this happening again with uh, another, um, I guess, when, when your officers were pulling over a stolen vehicle, you know, they stopped to you know, get the driver, he drives at the officers, you know, while they're trying to arrest him, and, and then ultimately, you've got injuries to the cops, damage to the cars, and this person's been out on bail. Like, they, they shouldn't even be on bail. Yeah, this is extremely frustrating for our folks. You know, I'm running when I'm out there each, each and every day trying to keep the city safe. And we have this, you know, the officer. Like he was in court still- that day. <laughs> like he like didn't, didn't miss a beat. Eh? It's just like, I'm going to go do it again. Like our, our, our officers were still processing the scene when this guy was released That's again, crazy. you know, and, and I think we all just, the general public, they, they must sit back. I would imagine shaking their head going, how can this really happen? Uh, but well, they're, they're, they're fed up. Like you, yeah. they're fed up. It's just we don't see anything changing. And there's no sense of urgency from the federal government. You guys wrote the letter. Chiefs of police wrote the letter asking for change. Have you heard anything from, from the new justice minister? Uh, nothing recently, no. Yeah. Uh, as we know, that piece of legislation, uh, it's gone to the Senate. Um, so we're still waiting to see what happens with that. Uh, if there is going to be a committee, we are actually seeking to be able to speak to that committee as well. Um, but that's... Do we really need another committee to undo what they did, which was soften bail rules? It's pretty obvious that we need to toughen up bail rules. You don't get bail if you're a repeat offender. End of discussion. I don't need a committee. I don't think you need a committee. Nope. No, I don't need one, but if they're going to have one, I want to make sure that our voice and our position is heard so our members are able to communicate what we experience every day and why this piece of legislation is so important to get through and, uh, you know, kind of move it forward as quickly as possible. Well, that would be nice. Boy, oh boy, I, I would put money on it that it won't happen uh, before any next election. I hope I'm wrong, though, John. I really do, because we desperately need it. Desperately. Um, all right, I'm out of time. Uh, John, I appreciate your time on this. Thank you. 
Great. Thanks, Alex. Have Thank a good you. day. You as well. That's John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association. So interesting information, certainly about that high-ranking officer. We'll keep an eye on it. But yeah, she does not get the protection of the Toronto Police Union. And it is in their interest to know what penalty she gets if she gets to keep her job. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.